1: Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. Today In the show, we're going to talk about getting ready for the winter. Yeah, well, fall home maintenance, I think, is going to be the official title
2: of this show. Fall home maintenance. There's so many things that you have to do before the bad weather sets in. And not that you couldn't do it in the cold, driving rain, um, but you don't want to. And that cold, driving rain causes problems, or in some cases it just exacerbates problems that you could have avoided if you would have addressed it now. So we're going to go through a list of things that need to be on your radar before the heavy, cold rains in the Pacific Northwest
1: sort of cramp your style. (laughs) Right? No, you're right. There's a lot of things that uh, I feel like are overlooked. They're overlooked throughout the entire year. And then all of a sudden, the fall rolls around and you're like, oh man, I have so many things that I need to get done before it snows. It's probably a little overwhelming. So we're going to go over some of those. Hopefully we can remind you. Maybe we can motivate you to get outside and, and get some of these things done. I know uh, over the last several weeks, Tony and I have been working on our own homes, getting ready. So uh, let's do it. Let's go through. Let's start on our list, Tony. Yeah, we'll start with the list.
2: And right at the top of the list, Corey, is something that I feel like is something that catches you and I off guard, maybe uh, at least a couple of years for the last few years, where I, I know that I remember a time it's pouring down rain outside. My gutter is full. Water's running over the brim of the gutter and dropping down on the on the uh, walkway in front of the house. You mean your waterfall? Yes, my gutter waterfall, and I don't understand why it's happening. And so I have to go up there in the unbelievable downpour and clean the gutter in order to get the water to flow down through my downspout again. Last time, this was maybe two years ago. Two years ago, I'm up there. I take a selfie of me sitting up on the roof in the pouring down rain. My gutter is filled to the brim with water. Oh, yeah. And I remember that. You texted it to you. I did. I texted it to you, and I'm like, here I am in the rain cleaning my gutter. So why, right? Why have I not already done this? And I know you had to clean your gutters in the rain, but you have – uh. You, you've, you've had to do that periodically, even
1: through the summer months. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it always seems to be when there's a gigantic rainstorm, you know, it's pouring outside and then all of a sudden you hear that, uh, you know, waterfall crushing on the patio and you run outside and sure enough, all your downspouts are clogged and water's overflowing. You know, at one point, Tony, we calculated how much weight that gutter is when it's completely full of water. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. It was in the hundreds of pounds.
2: It's more than it wants to be holding when it's nailed up there with gutter spikes. Absolutely. It, it's more than it wants to hold. It's not intended, folks, it's not like a waterbed. It's not intended to hold water. A reservoir? It's not. It's not a hot tub. Or or a rain barrel? Sw- a swimming pool for caterpillars. It's not. It is uh, It is only meant to guide the water, to, uh, to manage the water, not... Uh, hold it all in one place and so it's really not intended to do that and what happens when it gets lots of water in it because the downspouts are plugged and then it gets that heavy weight it starts to pull on that and then it pulls your gutter spikes out of the truss tails and then you know it starts to pull away and then you get water coming down behind behind it yeah and that is even a bigger problem because that water comes down behind is missing the flashing that's supposed to be dumping it into the gutter and now it's 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 soaking into the edge of your plywood. roof, your roof sheeting yeah and you know that soaks into the edge of your roof sheeting and then the paint that's on there starts to peel off because your roof
1: sheeting is soaking wet Ugh, what a mess right yeah you there's a lot of problems that can happen there uh, uh the other one is it can really affect your foundation you know the water's either dripping right off the front or like you said it's dripping off the back coming in behind either way it's not going where it's supposed to be going, and that's down into your rain drains and out to wherever that water is supposed to go. It's it's either, it might be draining right in front of your house or right next to your house where there's a foundation. And if you're undermining that foundation with tons of water, you could be potentially causing a lot more problems there. Yeah. Uh, I have in my home uh, a lot of rain drains that uh, are go around, but before... I fixed it, that water used to go into my crawl space yes. and that, may, that caused a ton of problems. So it's important to take a look, walk around the perimeter of your home, look up at your gutter for one before you even climb up there and see if you have any issues where the gutters look like they're pulling away. And if they are, you can either A, nail them back in. You can just take a hammer and nail those spikes back in. Or, like in Tony's case, we just had to fix some stuff over there. Uh, The truss tail was too soft, let's say. The wood had, uh, the nail had widened up too much, and it wouldn't hold the nail anymore. So we ended up having to pull those spikes out, because they only stick in about, I don't know, an inch and a half? Yeah, sure. So we were, we bought uh, Timber Lock, or no, Fasten Fasten Master Master gutter screws, and uh, they're extra long, and they have a really fat screw on the end. And I tell you what, those probably will never come off again. No, most certainly.
2: We uh, we actually shot some video of us replacing the gutter spikes with these gutter screws, and uh, it's a great little video. You can find that on our YouTube channel, on our website, www.homeshow.com. And uh, it was absolutely a, a great little video, but the fact is it was something that needed to be done, and... I'm really glad that we that we were able to take the time to get that fixed. Here's here's something that's notable, Corey. My home, we had this conversation when we were working on my gutters. My home does not have a lot of trees around It has almost no trees. You know, my next door neighbor down the street has got a tree or my next door neighbor behind us has got a tree. But around my home, no trees. So I don't have foliage falling down onto my roof regularly and running down into the gutters. It's only getting like ambient leaves that fly around in the air and by chance end up ambient on my roof. Ambient
1: leaves. And yeah.
2: But the fact is, it's enough, isn't it? It's enough oh, yeah. to to clog the, the downspout. And so there are precautions that you can take to keep debris out of the downspout. You can get a downspout bulb, which is like a little um, light bulb shaped uh, screen that goes down into the into the top of the downspout and keeps debris from going down. You can put leaf guard or another sort of gutter guard on there that keep debris from getting into your gutter. But however it is that you do it, maybe you don't do anything, you just clean it, you got to get in there and look at it. Make sure that your downspouts are attached to the gutter at the top. Make sure that your downspouts are going into a rain drain at the bottom. Make sure that your gutter is attached to the truss tails everywhere. Make sure that you can't see light between the the plywood your roof sheeting plywood from underneath when you're looking up at the eaves between the plywood and the gutter if you can see light in there there's a problem and you need to get that gutter tightened up in there and if your gutter doesn't cover up then you might need to add some flashing to get that done we got to take a quick break when we come back more fall home maintenance you're listening to tony and cory your weekend warriors we'll be right back
0: show built by par lumber now here's tony and
1: Corey. hey welcome back to the weekend warriors home improvement show thanks for staying with us hey if you haven't already go check out our facebook and instagram and youtube we're at ww home uh, or if you can go to our website it's wwhomeshow.com uh, or you can go to par.com that's p-a-r-r.com Click on the Weekend Warriors link and all of our information is right there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, So today on the show, we're talking about fall home maintenance. We're getting ready. It's fall. The snow's a coming. Right, Tony? Absolutely. And we were
2: talking about gutters and downspouts and water management right before we went to the break. Corey, you were talking about the situation where you had water, uh, I guess rainwater, uh, coming into the underneath side of your house which ultimately resulted in you having standing water under the house let's take a minute and talk about how you um, how did you deal with that water and how are you
1: dealing with it today so there were several uh, aspects to that first I had clogged rain drains so you actually helped me uh, th- the only way I could think of clearing it was to take a hose put it in top on top in the uh, gutter down spout and flushed all of that stuff down, and I put the hose on there in a high-pressure hose, and we ran the hose down as far as it would go, and it finally broke loose and cleared all that stuff out. I remember watching all that junk come flying out at the street. You know, not everybody has that same situation. Some people have uh, gutters where they go down to downspouts, and then they hit uh, diverters and, and just divert that water away from the foundation, which is totally fine. But here in the Pacific Northwest, most houses, because it rains so much, you know, we have a rain gutter and that water comes down and gets diverted out to that rain gutter. So that's how I had to fix mine. But the other plan of attack there was to install a sump pump. So that was one of the tips that I had written down here is to make sure that before it starts raining, get down in your crawl space or wherever that sump pump in is and test it. Just make sure that it's working properly.
2: Yeah, sump pump is uh, something that you dig down uh, below the level of the ground in your crawl space. And uh, the sump pump goes down inside there. It sits on a little bed of gravel. Uh, it's hooked up to constant power. And then when you have water underneath the house, it's, it's trenched to that center point, the low point. And then the water runs to that space. And when the float, when water goes down in there, it raises the float. And when the float reaches reaches a certain height, then the sump pump turns on and pumps that water out from underneath your house. That keeps standing water from being underneath your house. So it's sort of a two-fold fix. Fix the problem that was resulting in the water going there and then fix the... Uh, the solution, which is pumping the water out in case it gets there or when it gets there.
1: Yeah. The first year that I put that sump pump in, I heard that thing kick on all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could hear it. It was right under my kitchen. And that thing pumped so much water out of there. And the following year, I heard it kick on a few times. And just this last year, I didn't really hear it at all. Yeah, I think it kicked on once or twice in really, really heavy downpours. So. I mean, they work, and uh, it was a really good investment. But if I don't get down there and double-check to make sure it works mm-hmm. still, you know, those things burn out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Don't. We, we talk about
2: this all the time. Don't be a stranger to the crawl space of your home. You don't want to spend a lot of time down there, but you can't ignore it because there are things down there that will tell you more, more about what's going
1: on with your home. So, yeah, you don't want to avoid them. I had a friend who uh, lives in a house that is prone to flooding in the crawl space by a lot so he actually installed four different sump pumps he had the power go out at his house during a really bad rainstorm and his crawl space flooded right up to his finished floor no unbelievable so he was down there with uh, uh, a generator and other pumps pumping that water out just to keep his house From getting ruined. Yeah. So, hey, keep in mind. As
2: long as we're working around the foundation and around the crawl space, this is an opportunity to to inspect your foundation all the way around. Check your foundation for cracks. If you have cracks in your foundation, you need to seal those up. Um, They have concrete sealer that you can get in a tube and just fill those gaps. It doesn't really matter uh, how you do it. Or, I mean, I I guess it matters how it looks. Uh, They make uh, concrete sealer. That's a sort of gray color. If you can see it, I don't know, maybe it'll drive you crazy, but it, it wouldn't bother me. More importantly, get those cracks sealed up so that water doesn't get in there, freeze, and make the crack bigger,
1: right? Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what happens. Water gets in, water freezes, and everybody knows that when water freezes, it expands. And the same thing goes for your uh, driveway. So if you have a lot of cracks in your driveway, the water is going to get in there, freeze, and then widen that crack. You may not notice it until two, three, four years down the road, and that thing is huge. Mm -hmm. And then water's pouring in there, undermining your driveway, and then you have big problems. So I've seen it where full pieces of driveways have broken off because all of the water underneath that driveway has uh, been washed away. Yeah, all the all the dirt, the
2: the uh, support system that's underneath the driveway, the water comes in and washes that away. Yeah, yeah, and then you end up with big voids, and yeah, it's not a good deal. So seal those cracks, fill them up with some with some concrete sealer, and uh, and don't worry about them getting more water in them. The other thing around the foundation to pay attention to is your foundation vents. Every home has foundation vents, and those vents are basically just a wire mesh. It's an opening. From the outside to the crawl space, and that allows air circulation to flow uh, underneath the home. Well, in the winter months, you know, you really don't want wind whipping through the underneath side of your house. So you can block those with styrofoam insulation. They make foundation vent blocks that uh, are Foam little white get yeah, little white plugs that go into those, and uh, just help to keep super cold, windy air from going in underneath your home. Well, while you're doing that, if you go out and buy these styrofoam vent plugs to put in those holes, they make a couple of different sizes. So measure yours first, know what size they are before you go to get them. They're very inexpensive, but inspect the mesh, the mesh in your foundation vent before you cover it up. Take a look at that uh, because rodents will make way back and forth underneath your home through foundation vents if, they're, if your mesh is not intact. So make sure that you don't have big holes uh, or little highways going between uh, the outside and the underneath side
1: of your home. You want to keep that as sealed up as possible. Yeah, when it gets cold outside, rats and mice, they want to be toasty. So they're going to find the toastiest spot they can get, which is typically, you know, your home or the next best thing underneath your home. Right. So I've had it in my crawl space. I've had problems. We called the killers. They came out, took care of it, and uh, they actually filled up uh, and repaired all of my uh, foundation vents for me. So that was part of their service. I find that very helpful because I do not want rodents of any kind creeping down below where I sleep Ugh. at night. It's awful. Yeah, they have a Rope. tendency to. Uh, they have a tendency to mm,
2: pass away. <laughs> Uh, in that space, and then, uh, yeah, that, that's that's un- that's unpleasant as well. Uh, as long as you're uh, going to the store to pick up some styrofoam vent plugs for your foundation vents, maybe you don't have frost-free spigots on the outside of the house, uh, so maybe you want to cover up your water spigots on the outside of the house. Pick and up that's a some, good tip. Pick up some styrofoam faucet covers. There also. Pretty inexpensive, easy to install, and they will keep you from having frozen pipes. Um, so, you know, it's it's a very good precautional. Most of those hose bibs today are frost-free hose bibs and, uh, and you don't have that problem, but older homes uh, certainly are at risk. So check that
1: out. Well, one of the other things you wanna to do too, since you're right there, is to empty your garden hoses of all the water and then bring them inside because if you leave them out there they're going to freeze and then your hose is ruined and you're spending another 30 40 bucks on a brand new hose next summer lots of new hoses we got to take another quick
2: break when we come back more fall home maintenance don't go away you're listening to tony core your weekend warriors we'll be right back
0: Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Today we're talking about fall home maintenance. And uh, before the break, we were kind of outside talking about things you need to be winterizing. You know, since you're out there, Tony, one of the things that I like to do is clean off all of the moss that's growing on my patio and on my walkways, especially coming up to my front porch. We buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, and I don't want any, uh, you know, delivery guys or delivery gals walking up my front porch entry area and slipping on moss, because that stuff gets really slippery. So one of the best ways to prevent that is, A, to clean it, right? Pressure wash it off, or you can buy some stuff that sprays down, and then you leave it And uh, you can scrub it away that way. But if you seal that concrete using a concrete sealer, it's just, it rolls on uh, like a, almost like a paint, but it's clear. Uh, You can put that on there and that will really help prevent uh, moss and mildew from growing on that concrete.
2: Yeah, sort of, uh, concrete is very porous and so it has little places uh, where things like to. Uh, nestle in there and grow like moss. It's the sort of thing. But a sealer will give you a sort of solid surface on the outside of your concrete, which makes it more difficult for the moss to adhere there. That's that's a good point. Um, spraying some moss inhibitor on there will, after a couple of days, turn it brown. And then when it's brown, you can sweep it away. Here's something a lot of people don't know about moss, Corey. If you leave moss, you can put Moss Killer on moss and it will turn brown and dry up and seemingly be dead. But if you don't brush it away and get rid of it, and you leave it there, it will come back to life the next, well, season, I guess, or later that season or whatever. It will come back to life. You have to get it off of the surface. Just spraying it isn't enough. You gotta spray it, kill it, and sweep it away. So that's a really good tip. Same goes with your driveway, walkways, patios, Anything that's got moss growing on it, get out there and pressure wash it off or scrub it off. Uh, That's a very good point. Guests, delivery guys, all of those people. Uh, Here's something, Corey, you know, I just recently installed a new garage door opener. I think you know that because you led the charge. I really appreciate your help with that. But upon installing my new garage door opener, we opened and closed the garage door about 42 times. You know what I noticed? Hmm. The bulb weather stripping on the bottom of my garage door.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It is
2: hard. Oh yeah. It is no longer soft and pliable rubber like it used to be. Now it's just dried up and crumbly and hard and uh, it is not doing the job that I need it to do. I need something that's soft and pliable and bulbous so that Bulb- when the, so <laughs> like that, your head, like my head, so that when the garage door closes and squishes it, it uh, it makes lots of contact
1: with the garage floor and really seals that up. Yeah, that that weather stripping does two things. It a keeps the weather out, you know, the rain and the wind. It keeps that out, but it also keeps rodents and pests out. That's those are the two functions that that thing provides. So if it's hard and it's hitting the surface of your concrete, it's not sealing it up, so it's going to leave gaps. Yep. If you can see daylight through it, then bugs can walk right on through. Yep. You're absolutely right. And that is definitely a need that I have. I need to get that replaced. So there's actually, since you're on the garage door, there are actually two sets of weather stripping around your garage door. There's this uh, bulbous weather stripping on the bottom, like you described it. Mm -hmm. It either nails on, or sometimes there's a track that it pops in or slides in. There's different, different versions of that. Usually you can buy it at any hardware store. It comes in a roll and you pop that on there and you trim it to fit. It's good to go. Uh, But there's also weather stripping that goes around the sides and top, and it's got usually like a piece of uh, plastic, like a PVC plastic with like a little flap of rubber, Uh, and that pushes against the garage door. So when it's closed, it keeps all that stuff out. Yeah, check that. Make sure that it's not rigid or crispy or crumbly
2: and not doing the job that it needs to be doing for you. Uh, it's not expensive to replace it, so um you should jump in there and take a look at that make sure it's right. As long as we're talking about the garage door, you know, I have a single thickness garage door. It is not double thickness, or it's not insulated. Oh, on the, on the yeah. inside of mine, it's very thin. And uh, it's not like yours. Yours is like a
1: double-sided garage door. It looks the same on the inside as it does on the outside. I purchased when I bought my new garage door. I opted to get a slightly more expensive door that was insulated.
2: Yeah, and mine I love. Mine obviously is not. Uh, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very curious about how much more I might pay for an insulated garage door, and how difficult it is to just replace the door itself. So I may be looking into that, but an insulated garage door, I can see the benefits to
1: well, so getting can, an insulated garage door. Well, you can also insulate your garage door that you currently have. You can buy insulation kits that just fasten to the inside of your garage door. It would help a lot, to be honest. Because one of the things that uh, you don't really realize is that if your garage is cold, you know, that air that's in the garage that's cold is directly affecting the interior of your home. Of course. So if your garage door is insulated and you're keeping your garage slightly warmer, then your energy savings inside the home, it, it's pretty significant, especially if you have open, uh, you know, open trusses, trusses up there. Yeah. Like if you can see up and see the wood mm-hmm. or see the insulation up there, you know, sometimes that's interconnected within the house. So, you are it's not supposed to be, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things you want to seal that off if it isn't. Right. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Uh,
2: it, it, when you're thinking about doors and you're thinking about weather stripping around the garage door, there are other doors in the home and the weather stripping on those doors also will wear out the weather stripping around your entry door. Uh, the door that goes out into your garage from your home, the door that goes out the back of the house, all of those entry doors have weather stripping. And that weather stripping is very easy to remove and replace. If it is not um, if it is not staying, I'm going to say it again, bulbous, right? <laughs> if it's sort of flattening out and or if it's getting torn up or if the dog or cat have scratched at it, um, if it's just really old, you can benefit from replacing that weather stripping on your door, on your entry doors. There's two sides and a top, that's the head and the two legs, right? You'll buy them in in probably seven foot pieces and cut them to fit. And then uh, also there's a sweep on the bottom of the door, any entry door, it's got a sweep on the bottom. Same way, buy one that looks like the one you're taking off and uh, replace that. That helps to keep the weather from coming in around your doors.
1: Yeah, the, uh, you know, you make a good point there, Tony, but one thing to keep in mind is there's a hinge side and your latch side, and those are different. So you really, excuse me, you really have to pay attention to the weather stripping as it comes in a kit, because the left side, the right side, and the top, they're different. So, and you can also get them in different colors. That's right. So if you've got brown and you want white, Can buy white if you got white and you want brown, you know, vice versa. Got an almond color. Almond. Might even be able to get black. Purple. You know, I don't think so. Probably
2: not purple. Did we talk about adjusting the sill? We didn't. And there are uh it's worth mentioning because some people's entry doors will have an adjustable sill. A lot of doors also will have a fixed sill, which is non-adjustable. But if you look down at the top of the sill under your entry door, and there's three little screws on the top then uh, it's likely that part of that threshold is adjustable up and down. Now, there's not a lot of adjustment. Maybe it's a quarter of an inch or something like that. if that. But uh, you can adjust that to meet the sweep on the bottom of the door. And so if you buy a new sweep and you put it on the bottom of the door and you feel like you've got a little bit of uh, light coming through there, you can adjust that up and down, and that will help you make a
1: good seal. Yeah, the official way to do that is to take a dollar bill put it down on the on the sweep or on the sill and close the door and if you can pull that dollar bill out very easily then you need to adjust the sill up if you can't pull it out at all like if you feel like you're going to rip it you have to to go down yeah Yeah, that's that's easy that's a really good tip we got to take another quick break
2: when we come back more fall home maintenance you're listening to tony core your weekend warriors don't go away
0: listening to the weekend warriors home improvement show built by par lumber now here's tony and Corey.
1: hey welcome back to the weekend warriors home improvement show today we're talking about fall home maintenance and uh, we're talking about everything that you should get done before the snow hits and uh, we're just talking about the garage checking the weather stripping of the garage and your entry doors it's a really good idea and it's pretty inexpensive. And I feel like anybody can do that. They're very common places for cold weather
2: to seep in around those holes that are in your perfectly insulated walls. It's the funniest thing. You know, we we spend so much time talking about insulated walls, two by six walls with R21 insulation in them or whatever and you got this great beautiful wall that keeps the cold out and then you cut a hole in it and you put a piece of wood in there (laughs) and suddenly now you're back to R2 right you know at that place. So what you want to do is do your very best to keep the to keep the wind from and cold weather from just seeping right in and weather stripping around doors and openings is good. Another one Corey is the windows It's another one of those things. It's a hole in a perfectly well-insulated wall that is not super insulated, right? And yet we have to deal with it. So I think that uh, making sure that you're not feeling cold air coming in around the window uh, is important. And obviously, we've talked a lot about the project where you remove the interior trim and you use... Spray expanding foam, yeah. foam, right, to to insulate around the window because fiberglass insulation around the window is nothing more than a filter. It does not uh, change the temperature of the air, and it certainly doesn't stop it. So, so uh, expanding foam around that. You have to be very, very careful. They make expanding foam that will expand too much and be a major problem. They make expanding foam specifically for around windows and doors. Minimal expanding foam or whatever. And so that would be what you would want to buy specifically for around a window. Specifically. Specifically. And you can remove the interior trim if you are inclined. Remove the interior trim and spray foam around the outside of that window. Be very careful not to put too much in there. Trim that off so that it's flush with the wall. Put your trim back on. Make sure you caulk around your trim before you paint. Yeah.
1: That's a huge difference right there. It is a huge difference. And it's not...
2: A weekend project, probably. No. You know, it's a, it's a project, if you're doing all of the windows, it's a, you know, it's a big project. You're going to take some of that trim off, and some of that trim is not going to be able to go back on, because you're going to break it, or whatever. Yeah. So, go, before you start that project, go out to, the, to Par Lumber, and find the trim, the interior door trim that matches your trim. Make sure you can get it, and that uh, it, you can get whatever you need in case you break some. And then delve into that project one window at a time, and it will make a huge difference. The same goes for caulking around the exterior trim of your window. Check the exterior trim of your windows. If the caulking is failing, separating, if you can see a gap in there, if there's a black hole in through uh, the caulking because it's separated or pulled away, you need to strip all of that old caulking off. Which is not extreme. It's not difficult. Clean it really it isn't, and put new caulking on there. No, I mean, but it is tedious. Oh, sure. It's a tedious job. And there's a lot of windows in a home. A lot of them on the second floor can be very difficult to reach. Uh, you know, it's a major undertaking. It's not supremely difficult. It doesn't, cre- it doesn't require um, a lot of expertise, but it requires patience. And um, and, f- and you have to f- complete the project. You have to get all the way through it. Here's the thing, So folks.
1: you need stick-to-itiveness. Here's the thing do one at a time. Right. You don't have to go out and do all 20 windows in your house in the same day. Nobody says you have to do that. It's not required. Just do one at a time. See what it takes. Get good at it. Move to the next one. If there's any second ones, second story ones you don't feel comfortable doing, don't do them. Let's take one second and talk a little bit about the
2: exterior caulk that you would buy if you went to Par Lumber and bought Exterior sealant for around your windows. What would we be looking for? There's a lot of products out there. There's a lot of things you can use. What is your number one go-to?
1: Well, that's a that is a very difficult question because there's a million uh, different sealants out there. Uh, my go-to would be Quad Max. Quad Max is a polyether blended caulking that is has unbelievable. Uh, Stretch to it and longevity. So, you know, you want something that's going to last a long time. Quad Max is probably that uh, product. There's other ones made by BASF NP150. I mean, that's a very similar caulking, Uh, but you're going to expect to pay quite a bit, you know, eight bucks a tube or something like that. Uh, You can buy cheap exterior grade acrylic caulkings, you know, you can find them for three bucks a tube. I would not use those. I wouldn't either. They have uh, qualities in them that have that off gas, right? So you, any caulking is made up of two different products. There's a a solid and a solvent and that solvent usually that's in there will evaporate out, leaving the solid to dry over time, over time. And then it just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And then you have a big gap in there uh, again, There's other caulkings uh, out that are polyurethane based, you know, old ones like Volcom. You know, people swear by Volcom because that stuff, you know, is so sticky. It is super, super, super sticky. You could probably squeeze it onto your shoes and stand on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that product is outdated. You know, it does not hold up as long as... A lot of these new polyether urethane blend caulks yeah. uh, work. So I recommend Quad Max. It's a really great product. It's it's really well-priced, uh, but it does the job. You can gun it in super cold weather. Yeah. You can it gun it in, in
2: super wet, hot weather. It Yeah, you can apply it to a wet surface. And uh,
1: it's very forgiving and it does a really good job. Yeah. No, it's uh I I definitely would recommend that. But getting the old stuff out is just use a like a razor knife or, you know, sometimes you can buy scrapers that take uh caulking out, but definitely want to get all of that old caulking out to the best of your ability. You know, the m- as much of it as you can. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just, you know, get as much as you can out, squeeze the new stuff in, you'll be Leaps and bounds ahead. Yep, absolutely agree with that. All of that
2: completely. That's a that's a very good tip. So, and of course, if you are if you're inspecting that and you're recalking and you find any rotten trim, this is the time. Since you're doing one window at a time, this is the time to replace any rotten trim with some uh, good solid trim that's not rotten. And you might pull that rotten trim
1: off and get a little clue. As to why that piece of trim is rotten. Well, in 99 times out of 100, you know, it's probably because it wasn't flashed properly. You know, at the top of a window, you're, nowadays anyway, you're required. I don't even argue required as a code. I think probably is. I'm sure it is. You know, you're supposed to have a piece of metal flashing that covers over the top of the trim. So when water hits it, it doesn't just sit there. That's what happens. That caulking dries up. The water sits there, seeps in behind. Your trim gets rotted. Then your wall gets rotted. It's just a terrible cascading effect that you can fix for right. 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, check the trim that's on there. Maybe it's not rotten, but maybe the paint's starting to
2: peel off a little bit. This is an opportunity to, to get a little fresh coat of paint on your trim and protect it. You know, that paint comes off. It's susceptible. And uh, you don't want that water soaking up into that trim and then causing it to rot.
1: Yeah. If you, here's one thing about paint. I'll just real quick. If you've got peeling paint on tri- siding or trim on your house and it's just a small area potentially what's happened is a moisture has gotten in there and it has pushed its way out that's what's calling the causing the paint to peel mm-hmm. uh, if, if you don't see any further evidence of that you know on the whole wall let's say make sure that you scrape that paint off before you repaint it because if you just Knock off it, you know, as much as you can, and then repaint it. You got to remember that the paint that you're putting on is only as good <laughs> as, as a the substrate yep. you're putting it on. That's right. So if you have peeling paint and you're putting new paint over old peeling paint, the new paint is going to peel right off. Absolutely, with the old stuff. Now, this is this is uh,
2: a prime example. We have talked about the gutter Uh, screws that we had to put on at my house my situation was the gutter spikes came loose the gutter pulled away from the plywood and then the water was running down behind the gutter it got to the to the edge of the roof sheeting caused that to get very wet and when that did the paint that was on there just started to literally fall off it was the paint was hanging off of the plywood in sheets And so we did fix the gutter. We got that problem taken care of. No more water there. But I still need to go back, scrape off all that old paint, make sure that I've gotten to the paint that's
1: adhering properly, and then reapply. And always remember, if you live in an older home, get some testing strips for lead. Don't want to be scraping and sanding away on lead paint. That's a great tip. Alright, we're gonna take another quick break when we come back. More fall home maintenance.
2: You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors, we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today, Tony and I have been talking about fall home maintenance. Uh, But I did want to say, if you haven't already, go check out our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, we're at www.homeshow. Uh, If you can't find that, you can always go to our website. It's www.homeshow.com. And uh, click on the links. We'd love for you to subscribe and uh, follow us and like all that stuff. If you have any questions or comments, you can leave them there. So we definitely like having you guys around. Uh, so t- anyway, today we're talking about fall home maintenance, things you need to get done the fall before it turns cold, turns rainy, all of that stuff. I mean, we're already we're in the Pacific Northwest here. We're already seeing
2: a change. Oh yeah, with the change in it's the weather, fall, baby. It is getting colder. It has been seeing some precipitation. I mean, it's definitely happening right now. This is uh, towards the very last opportunity you're going to have to do this in some kind of decent weather. So. That's why we're getting this out right
1: now. Yeah. Trick or treating around the corner. Man, oh, man. So uh, we were talking about windows, uh, making sure that the, you know, the trim around your windows isn't rotted, you know, the paint and all that stuff. But there was one last thing I did want to say about your windows is that there are on every window, vinyl window, a little thing at the bottom called a weep hole and weep holes are specifically designed for when water hits the window sash, it sheds down and gets into the track down below the window. And then it uses that little weep hole to get out. So if that weep hole is clogged up with leaves or debris or stink bugs, like in the case of one of my windows, it will cause problems. So get in there with either like a little toothbrush or a little air gun, a little blow, you know, you can blow it out with an air gun or, you know, you could hose it out, but that could be a little risky. Uh, But you just want to get those things cleared out. So the water drains out of the window frame properly. Maybe a skinny little pipe cleaner. Yeah. yeah, Those pipe cleaners fit down inside. They're pretty good. Little teeny ones.
2: Yeah. That's a really good tip. That's a great tip. The weep holes are all uh, visible from the outside and they can get clogged. They do get clogged. And it's a good idea. Bees sometimes like to be in there, so uh, yeah,
1: keep those weepoles. Oh holes. yeah, Ma- I had mason bees fill up another one of mine.
2: Yeah, terrible. Yeah, definitely something you want to keep that keep that uh, clean, and so that the water can flow properly. So, uh, Corey, this is kind of your area of expertise. You know, um, you have a, you have an irrigation system at your house, which I do not have at my house. I'm super jealous. Uh, And it's amazing. But um, this is something that you have to do every year because you have an irrigation system. Let's talk a little bit about preparing your irrigation system for the winter months because you will not be watering, obviously, because God will be watering. (laughs) And so it won't be necessary for you. What do you do to prepare your irrigation system so that you don't get frozen pipes and, and all of that stuff?
1: Well, it's not as difficult as you would think. I mean, I it depends on your system, really. There are systems that you would be required to uh, use a pressurized air hose and blow them out. You know, you would evacuate the water that way by blow, adding air pressure to the lines and it blows the water out. Um, they're all designed differently. I'm lucky in that my front yard is approximately like six feet lower than my backyard. Yeah. So in both of my systems run together and I just have to open a valve in my sprinkler box and then I walk down to the bottom by my street and I have another valve down there that I open and it's a lo- essentially a low point drain and all that water drains down to that point. Oh, nice. And I just leave them open and I don't have to do anything other than that. So, but, you know, just like I said, it depends on your system, but if... If you have the sprinkler system and you know how to do it, you'll want to get that done before it freezes. Yeah, this is the time to do that
2: for sure. Um, You know, I can remember shows from years past. Um, I'm not really a green thumb sort of guy. Um, I I like to have a green garden and a green... Wish you had a green lawn? No, I I have one. I mean, I I also have uh, a landscaper that comes and works on it. But but, uh, I like it. I just not really super capable of doing it myself. I mean, I might be capable. I'm just not, I don't prioritize it, but you do. And so I remember from, from shows past, you always saying you use fertilizer to put your lawn to bed and to wake it up in the spring, put it to bed in the fall, wake it up in the spring.
1: Yeah. I have recently uh, read that it's not a good idea to fertilize in the springtime, uh, but it is definitely, you want to fertilize it in the fall. As it's, as it's winding down, uh, the roots tend to grow deeper. So that's what you want. So you want to encourage that growth for the roots to grow deeper. Uh, the reason you don't want to do it in the spring is because it like artificially uh, makes the grass grow really tall, really fast. And they don't necessarily, because it's waking up, it's not trying to grow deep roots. Where in the fall time, it is. it is trying to root down deeper. I don't know. Yeah, so but, that makes good sense. It makes sense to me. So, anyway, but that's it's always a good idea to to w- like put down winterizer on your lawns it, right now, right in the fall time. And then as throughout the the winter progresses, that uh, your lawn will get stronger. Yeah, I've got a little bit
2: of an issue in my front lawn right now. Um, you know, we were not watering regularly during the uh the summer months, and so my lawn slowly started to brown and, and sort of, you know, lose, sure. lose its life. You, right, You and 12 million other people, right? But what happened was no rain, no rain, no rain, no rain. And then all of a sudden several days of rain. And then what happened is green grass sprouted right up, right through all that dead grass. Now, the dead grass didn't go away. Dead grass didn't come back to life. So I've got this layer of brown grass. Thatch. Turns into And thatch, now I've yeah. got this beautiful green lawn with all that brown stuff kind of sprinkled on the inside. Uh, is that something that you think needs
1: to be taken care of yes. before the spring? Now? Before? Uh, yeah, I would do it now. Uh, there are Talk to your landscaper. You know, there are companies that come around, at least in my neighborhood, that leave a little note that says, hey, we're in the neighborhood, that do aerating and dethatching. And a dethatcher is just like a really heavy-duty rotating rake, and it pulls all of that junk that's laid down, old grass. It creates a big, thick mat and doesn't allow grass to grow up through it. So it's kind of like a a barrier. So you want to get all that stuff out of there. So now is a good time to get it dethatched, get it aerated, uh, overseed it even, and fertilize it. So yeah, you want to do that now and then you'll have a nice, healthy lawn in the springtime. Nice. That is a great tip. That's definitely something I want to get done
2: um, because I, I I can see that it's struggling, that it's got this, you know, this... Oh, yeah. ...nappy mess in there that needs to get taken out before it chokes it out or something. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about trimming back tree limbs and that sort of stuff that's causing problems as well don't go away we'll be right back you're listening to tony and Corey, your weekend warriors hang in there
0: Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors. Thanks for staying with us today. We're talking about fall home maintenance, and uh, before the break, we were talking about the lawn. But there's another thing out on the lawn that I feel like everybody should do this time of year. Lawn monster, lawn monster. It's uh, besides cleaning up those leaves, everybody gets them almost everybody gets them the falling leaves and you got to take care of them because you know if you're in the valley like us you live in the portland you know willamette valley area and when it starts raining all those turn to muck Mm -hmm. and it just creates a mess right so if if you've got leaves you want to get them picked up while they're dry and get them taken care of right away but i spent the the
2: better part of my young life raking raking leaves we had a a three-quarter acre piece of property and we had a, a backyard and then we kind of had like a second backyard and lots of trees back there and uh yeah literally spent the better part of my life me too just raking leaves
1: i grew up in michigan and we had very similar we lived on a few acres and the front yard was ginormous and the backyard was ginormous and we had four gigantic deciduous trees in the front yard where maybe one was a gigantic oak tree, one was a gigantic maple tree. We had some poplars out there, and all those leaves would fall, and it was my responsibility. Yeah. (laughs) But we had a tractor, so I was able to uh, use the tractor to get up all the leaves, but we didn't get the rain there. So we could just roll over them, and it would pretty much turn them (laughs) to dust. (laughs) Nice. Well, I didn't have that luck, but... But the smell uh, is absolutely the best smell in the world.
2: Oh, man. You're taking me back. Uh Yeah. So to take care of the leaves. Here's another thing, Corey, tree limbs. I think I mentioned this before we went to the break, tree limbs hanging over your house. It is a problem. Shrubs that are touching the siding of your house.
1: It's a problem. You essentially, yeah, essentially any sort of vegetation that is touching your house is a problem and it needs to be handled. I see it all the time. I'm driving in old Portland and I see these Gorgeous rhododendrons, or these gigantic uh, trees, or something—shrubs growing right into the side of people's homes—and it's it's so terrible because you're inviting mold, you're inviting uh, rot, pests, rodents, um, insects. I mean, there's so many problems with having vegetation, shrubs, trees touching your house. It's it's a nightmare, right? And it- you don't
2: want it. You don't. So you want to get out there, find out where that's happening, and trim that back. Uh,
1: the time to do that is right now. Right now. Trimming and pruning are something you want to do in the fall months when trees and shrubs stop growing. Right. That's when you want to do it, when they're going dormant, not when yeah. they're actively growing. Yep. This is the time to do that. Uh, be very careful. Uh, we talked about,
2: we talked about uh, cleaning gutters earlier. You do a lot of that from the ladder, But um, be careful— I feel like we need to say this. If you're up on the roof, um, be careful. Lots of people fall off their roof this time of year, and uh, it's not going to be fun. I'm guessing. <laughs> I I'm would not, agree. I don't think I've fallen off of my roof, but but uh, I'm sure it's going to hurt. So my uh, dad broke careful. his
1: back falling off
2: our roof as a kid. Yikes! Second story. But uh, find those limbs that are hanging over the house or that are touching the siding or those shrubs and trim that stuff back. Get a nice gap, air gap between the house and your And your vegetation, your shrubs and your plants and your things.
1: And personally, I don't like anything hanging over my my roof in my home. So if I've got a tree or a limb hanging over, I want to get that taken care of right away. I mean, especially directly underneath it. I'll drive through my neighborhood and I'll see these limbs and trees hanging over houses with like four inches of moss Mm -hmm. growing on the roof. I mean, Mm. that is so bad. I've for seen your investment, these trees branch, hanging over the roof, dropping
2: stuff onto the roof, right, and into the gutter, and then plants literally growing out of the gutter. Yeah, it's dropping stuff down there, and then it's planting and then growing up out of the gutter. I know, I see, see it, it all the like, time. It's just uh, you got to fix that, folks. You got to fix that. It's terrible for your house. Um, here's another one. This is cleaning out the garage, right? You cannot be out there cleaning the garage. At least I can't. Because I have to take everything out of the garage, organize it and put it back in the garage. It's not like I just walk around there cleaning the garage, but I don't want to be doing that when it's 30 outside. It gets cold out there
1: and nothing inhibits
2: progress (laughs) like cold weather.
1: Yeah. You know, I actually I really enjoy cleaning out the garage in the fall time when it's cold uh, because, I mean, I don't like doing it when it's hot. Yeah, the worst. (laughs) You've got an insulated garage door. Yeah, that's true. So (laughs) I guess that changes
2: things a little bit. But uh, I've just recently cleaned my garage, so I'm in really good shape there. I got that done. I needed to do that in order to uh, change out the the, um, garage door opener, which we did. And uh, that worked out really good. So I've got a nice, clean garage. But I'll tell you what. It feels so good to be able to move around in the garage, around my workbench, and I'm glad I got it done before it's 30 degrees outside. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to take things from the garage out into the driveway. Um, We were able to take things to goodwill. We were able to dispose of some things, um, reorganize some things, and uh, I was glad that I was able to do that when it wasn't raining outside. So getting out, cleaning the garage is a good idea. There's, There's details about what you have to clean inside the garage that's important.
1: Yeah, you know, making sure, like, the one of the biggest ones is your lawn equipment. You want to make sure that you're taking care of your lawn equipment now. We've talked about this many times on this show. If you're using ethanol gas in any of your lawn equipment, any of your small motors, you're killing them slowly. Essentially, the <laughs> ethanol is terrible for those engines. It ruins them from the inside out. And if you leave it in there for too long... They separate, the water separates from the alcohol or from the ethanol, and it creates like this jelly where it's eating away all of the hoses and tubing on your, on your small motors. So make sure that you're A, if you're using ethanol gas, dump them all out. Get rid of all of that gas before you store them away. If you're not, you can always uh, put stabilizer in the fuel because old gas, you know, you're running them up in the, in the spring or the next summer and they won't want to start. So you can use stabilizer in there that'll help them make their way, and and that gas will be supposed to be better in the spring. I don't like to keep any gas in my small engines. I like to dump them out. It really helps in the summer when you go to start up your mower uh, with a fresh tank of ethanol-free gasoline. Yep, It's important to note here that Corey
2: is not suggesting that you dump the gas out into your fire pit and then have a giant bonfire or dump it out in a hole and then bury it. That's not what he's saying. He's not at all. He's saying dump that into a container, your old gas into a container and then save that for an opportunity to take that and dispose of it the way it should be disposed of. There are um, government places that will collect old gasoline and dispose of it properly. And so you you're not trying to dump that out or burn it or do something crazy like that. Um, Get it out of your implements, put it into a container marked old gas and then uh, contact your I don't know. I've heard you can take it to the fire department. Um, Do you know other places, Corey, where you can take old gas?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have once a year. The Portland Metro sets up a station right by my house and you can take anything over there. Any any hazardous materials over there. But to be quite quite honest with you, I mean, there's no reason, if it's not bad gas, if it's not old gas, you can... I I would put it in my vehicle. I mean, to be (laughs) quite honest with you, I'm not going to get rid of it. I mean, if it's just fuel that hasn't been burned up for the summer what constitutes old gas if you put it in there in march what constitutes bad gas (laughs) you would know more than anyone
2: if you put it in there in march and now it's october
1: i mean i i don't know either i'm not a gas expert i think you are (laughs) uh but no seriously i think i don't know i don't know what constitutes bad gas maybe I, th- I think my pickup truck would burn fine, though. I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna take it out, I'm gonna put it in a
2: container, and it's gonna be marked old gas or bad gas or disposable gas, and I'm gonna take it somewhere and, and uh, let somebody take care of it. Yeah, that's me. a good idea. Yes. Um, I mean, the tools that you would be ruining are more expensive than the fuel that you're paying for. We gotta take another quick break. When we come back, five things you need to do before it snows. Miss the Mad Rushes, and the Tony Core, your weekend warriors, don't go away.
0: Listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Yep. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Right now, we're going to give you the top five things that you need to do before it snows. Miss the mad rush. Miss the mad rush. Number five, figure out. How to turn off your water main in case of a frozen pipe. First thing you got to do is figure out where it's at
2: and then you got to dig it up probably and get it open. Then you've got to have a tool that will reach down in there and turn that thing because reaching down with a pair of vice grips or plumber's pliers and trying to turn that thing, there's just not a lot of room inside of that little access to get moved around. Trust me, I've
1: been that guy. They're all different. Every house I've lived in, I found out where the water main shutoff is and they're all different. I had one that was about two feet down. Yeah, It can I, be way down yeah, there. Yeah, I, I was required. I had to have one of those T-shaped tools that reached way down there to turn the thing on and off. And I tell you what, you do not want to be searching for that tool or learning how to do it when water is spraying everywhere in your house. Absolutely not.
2: You need to know where it's at. You need to know that it's accessible. And you need to know that you have a tool that you can turn it off with. And keep that tool in a place that you know exactly where it's at. Absolutely. Uh, That is a great tip, Corey. I mean, uh, when water is spewing out and you're in a panic, every second counts. Absolutely. Right? Every second counts. And so um, I I agree with you completely. You want to know. All right. Number
1: four, put sandbags in the back of your pickup truck. (laughs) Absolutely. This is one of those things that not everybody knows. Here's a tip
2: on that. Don't get a bag of sand that's a, in a paper bag. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. They, yeah. they, it, it, that doesn't just mean go and get bags of sand. They make what they call traction sand, and it comes in a reinforced poly bag that's like two or three layers thick. And uh, so you can put that in there, and it will last a season in the back of your vehicle. It can roll around a little bit. It can take some, some hitting and some moving around, and it will stay together and not spill. And Here's they weigh about 70 pounds, 70, 80 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Here's the per thing. Bag. That bag, if you leave that outside year round, is good for one season. Yeah. And then that stuff will start to fall apart. And then you'll end up with a truck bed full of sand yeah. that's no longer in a reinforced poly bag. Yeah. So uh, just expect to spend the $3.50 or $4.50 per bag once a
1: year. Get some bags, traction bags. If you drive a pickup truck. And put them in your pickup. Especially a two-wheel drive pickup truck. Getting that extra weight back there really helps out. You know, it's not a bad idea. Also, if you're commuting through an area
2: where you're going to have ice, you know, you can put a little weight in the trunk of your vehicle or in the back of your SUV as well. Yeah,
1: not a bad idea. These will stay clean. It doubles as traction if you need to cut it open and sprinkle it on the ground i've actually used it for that i was stuck in a position in my par truck on a hill where people i was coming down the hill they were going up the hill but they weren't going very fast and they were getting stuck and i stopped in the middle i got out my traction sand and i sprinkled it all over the road and all of these cars were able to get through so it's a really handy thing to have yeah i agree with that completely what is number three number three Buy tire chains. Yes. If you live in Portland, you know what I'm talking about. When I moved here from Michigan, I had no idea what tire chains even were. <laughs> really? No idea. My, my friend said, hey, let's go to the, the coast. And they said, oh, we got to go buy chains. And I'm like, what are chains? Wait a second. I don't I understand. understand. Don't you have a lot of snow in Michigan? Yeah, but we didn't. No. Yes. I mean, tons of snow, but we don't have the hills like they have here. Oh. So, you know, you didn't have to worry about traction, going up hills or, or anything like that. So, yeah, never heard of them in my life. Or studded tires. That's another weird one. Well, I'll tell you what.
2: The bummer thing is this. When you're, you know, it's um, it's January, you're totally used to the weather. It snowed a few times, no big deal. But you've decided now you want to go up to the mountain. You want to go up to the mountain, do a little skiing or snowboarding. Maybe you're going to um, just inner tube, right, down the yep. slopes. Chains required. Yep, you head up to the to the mountain and you get... Right up there, you know, about three quarters of the way there, and they stop you and say, oh, you can't go any farther without chains. Oh, we've just driven an hour and a half. Well, too bad. Go
1: back and get changed. Or here's another scenario for you. You're at work, and it starts snowing, and it starts snowing a lot. And we've all been here yeah. several times over the past few years. And then you think to yourself, oh, no, I have no tire chains. I better drive over to Les Schwab and pick some up. Yep, that's right. You and 500 other people with the same size tire (laughs) driving into Les Schwab saying, you got any chains for my, for my, uh, you know, my Subaru, and they're going to laugh at you. Yeah. They're going to go fresh out. <laughs> we sold those- In October. This morning. Yeah, in October. <laughs> so go buy your chains now. If you have any plans to get out when it's snowing or go up to the mountains or go over to the coast, get yourself a set of chains now for your vehicle. And if you have already
2: purchased chains for your vehicle in previous years- Put them in your car. Go find them and put them in your car. It's not going to hurt you to have them in the back of the car for the next few months. Having them on hand will save you tons of heartache. Yes, sir. or heartache right. potentially. Number what is
1: number two. Number two: buy a snow shovel. Oh, man, of course. This is another one of those situations where it snows, you know, when it snows in Portland, you know, typically we get an inch or two, right? Yeah, but on those rare occasions where we get 10, twelve, 20 inches of snow and you don't have a snow shovel, how long is it going to take you to dig yourself out to go to work? With a normal shovel? With, with, yeah, with like a, <laughs> spade, a spade shovel. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And when you go over to the store to buy a shovel... After it snows, yep. they're all going to laugh at you. Yeah, they're not going to have any. They're going to say, we have no snow shovels in stock. Yeah, we've sold all of those. So that's another one of those things. Number two, buy and a snow shovel. This last one, Corey, is definitely
2: the epitome of an item that is literally only available for a minute, and then it's gone. Yes. It's available for a minute,
1: and then it's gone. Well, you have it's, to get this now. Yeah, it's my top three things are buy, buy, and buy buy tire chains, buy snow shovel. And And the number number one one, thing to me, buy ice melt. Yes. Rock salt or ice melt. It is imperative, especially if you have uh, an elderly person that lives with you or somebody with a disability and you have to be able to get them from the house to the vehicle, you know, living on a slope. My driveway is super sloped. And if I want to get down that thing after an ice storm, I mean, I could die. I mean, it is steep. Yeah. You don't even have to have people
2: living with you because you know what's coming up? We've got Thanksgiving coming up. We've got Halloween coming up. We've got Christmas coming up. These are all things that are going to have people walking on your property in potentially bad weather. And uh, if you've got ice, whether you're giving out uh, Halloween decorations or not, if there's ice, you need to have that ice melt out and
1: be melting that stuff so people aren't falling down on your property yep. getting hurt. And if you wait, if you wait till that snowstorm and go over to the store and say, I need some ice melt, they're going to laugh at you. They will not have it. Absolutely. I swear every single year that I run out of ice melt right when it snows and I go over to the store, I learned a long time ago, they, they, they don't have it in stock. They simply don't have it in stock. But you know who does sell it?
2: Par lumber company sells it for a little while until it's <laughs> until all it's gone. gone. <laughs> and then, uh, and then they're out. So, uh, those are, re- those are really good tips, Corey. Uh, the top five things you need to do before it snows. And so you can miss the mad rush. That's a, that's a great tip. I really appreciate that. Uh, we got to get back to our fall home maintenance. The other things that you want to be doing before it starts to rain or even worse before it starts to snow. Uh, is uh, the the deck, you need to be thinking about your deck. Whether your deck is covered or not covered, this is a good time to put a protective coat of sealer on your deck before the weather is too bad and you can't get it done. I'm telling you that this is the time that it gets the most weather. Obviously this is not sun, it's wet, but it gets a lot of weather. Put a protective cover on there now, while you have the time and the sunshine, and don't wait until the spring to do it. We got to take one more quick break and then we'll be wrapping this baby up. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, Here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us today. In the show, we're talking about fall home maintenance. We just got a couple more things to cover. We're about to wrap this baby up and put a tight little bow on it. The uh, so, all right. So we're out on the patio. We, uh, we talked about putting a protective coat on your deck. Yes. Uh, but while you're out there, make sure you cover up all your patio furniture. If you uh, got invested in some nice patio furniture, you don't want to get it ruined. Right. So either store that patio furniture inside or get some nice covers to cover it up. That's a good time to do it is right now. It's Put a... all those pillows away. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about your umbrellas, if you've got umbrellas out there, make sure that you fold those up and bring those inside. Tony, you actually told me during the break that you get a lot of bees or hornets.
2: Yeah. They'll nest right inside that. It's a great place for them to nest inside yeah, the umbrella. You, that's the last place you want them to. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to be opening that thing up because when you do, it's kind of up over your head, you know? Oh yeah. And then uh, those things are falling down on top of or whatever. Yeah. Keep the, keep the umbrella inside in the garage or in the shop. And uh, so keep, keep here, the
1: bees out of it. Here's a good tip too: if you have potted plants with, uh, you know, those cl- big clay pots, make sure that you empty those out because when that dirt freezes, the clay pot or the whatever pot you have them in will crack <laughs> and break. <laughs> you know what happens? I'll tell you
2: from experience exactly what happens. If you don't, if you don't that take that out, like you're talking about. You know these these pots have this glaze on the outside, yeah. a beautiful black or teal or whatever glaze on the outside. What happens is that dirt freezes and the the glaze <laughs> cracks it and flies little off. yeah, the glaze just peels off in like little chunks, and then you end up with this super weird looking spotted pot that you know you paid thirty five or forty dollars for. That is a great tip. Uh, get the dirt out of those pots, those big pots, or it will
1: ruin them, and it's just going to be a waste of money. It's frustrating. Now's a good time to fill your bird feeders, but remember that if you fill them, You have to keep filling them throughout the winter because those birds depend on it. Yeah, absolutely. This is a a great time
2: to use suet. If you haven't used suet in the past, suet is like a block of bird feed that's got a lot of fat that ties it together. Birds need a lot of extra fat this time of year to keep them warm. So suet's a good thing. Instead of just regular bird feed, hang a little suet block out there and they'll absolutely love it.
1: All right, let's move inside the house. Some of the things you need to get done right now yeah, uh, is turn on the furnace if you haven't already. <laughs> you probably have. I already have. I turned mine on. But it's a good time to make sure that it works before it gets super cold. Because if you have a problem, you'll be paying a premium to have that repair person come out, you know. And right in the middle of winter.
2: And waiting weeks for him to have time because he's helping everybody else. Yep. This is the time to replace your filters. If you don't have filters, go buy filters. Don't just buy one, buy several, buy a box or whatever. But this is the time to change your filter. Make sure that you've got a clean filter going into the winter months so that thing will work um, at its top uh, capability and replace the filters often. You don't want to go through the entire winter on one filter. No. So uh, keep an eye on those filters. You already know this. If you have a furnace, you know this. This is just a reminder. Change your filter.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the things, too, you can do is get your ducts cleaned. <laughs> do you have to get them in a row first? <laughs> get your ducts in a row and get them cleaned. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. It's, uh, now's a good time because you can be running that furnace all winter time. You don't want that dust blowing around everywhere. Yep, my mom and dad just had their ducts all cleaned out and uh it's nice it's a good thing to have done the other thing is if you have space heaters now's the time to get them out start placing them around and start using them instead of firing up the furnace we got ours out today didn't we so, yeah we, we
2: did we got our little uh studio space heater out today and fired it up it's nice and toasty it's in here chilly in here uh clean and sanitize your humidifier if you use one uh, this is uh this is easy to do but i'll tell you what bacteria will grow in there and it will just cause you
1: a problem so If you have a humidifier, clean it out. Now is also a good time to replace your washer hoses (laughs) and clean your dryer ducts. Absolutely. You're you're getting that house all closed up for the wintertime. The last thing you want is the dryer pumping, you know, moist air back into your house because it's not venting properly. Can I just say check and check? Yes, (laughs) we can.
2: Yeah, we did that. We did did. that at my house recently. Shot a little video. Worked out really good. Check that out on our YouTube channel. You'll love it. Get your chimney inspected and make sure that uh, your flue seals tight when it's closed. Um, Also, it's a good idea to take a look at the mortar uh, around your bricks. Make sure you don't have any Uh, Failing and crumbling mortar.
1: Yeah, if you've got a wood stove or if you have a pellet stove, now would be a good time to order pellets or firewood. Uh, Get that lined up now so that you're not waiting, you know, in the middle of winter trying to get those pellet deliveries and sometimes places run out of pellets yeah take a trip up onto the roof be super careful up there
2: when you're up there and uh, look around your roof fence i know Corey had a problem with some water coming in his roof vent because of some debris make sure you clean the debris around your roof fence and uh, if you've got moss up there uh, it's time to treat that and get that brushed off don't leave it up there it will come back if you leave it up there
1: (laughs) it will come back you want to definitely get it off i you know you got to be careful a lot of people want to pressure wash your roof. Mm-hmm. It just seems the easiest route. Yeah. But what's happening is you're knocking off those little granules off of the shingle itself, and you don't want to do that. That is the only thing protecting protecting that layer of tar that's you know actually keeping the water out. Those that granules of asphalt. That's what's uh, per, or granules. That's what's protecting the tar. So if you're knocking those off. You're killing the life of your roof. And honestly, that's the least of your worries. If
2: you're even capable of not turning that to the wrong angle and ripping shingles Shingles right off off the roof. I mean, I'll tell you what, you get up there and a a pressure washer can sometimes be unwieldy. And when you're up there and you're switching from one hand to another hand and it goes at a weird angle and there goes three shingles right off your roof, it takes... Uh, A split second, it happens. Yeah. And now you're replacing shingles on the roof. You don't want to be doing that. You know what? A stiff, bristled brush
1: that doesn't have any power behind it except your elbows uh, is the best way to go. Yeah, and but ideally, you want to kill that off first. Use a moss killer. It'll all turn dark brown or black, and that's the best time to do it because it's dried up, dead, not hanging on anymore and it usually just comes right off. It's about to be really cold outside. We're gonna
2: spend a lot of time inside the house not wanting to go out because it's cold and yucky. So take this opportunity, clean the exterior of your window glass one more time. You want it to be able to look through your glass and not be outside in the cold and wet, cleaning your windows so that you can see good. So take this last opportunity while the weather is decent and clean the exterior glass of your windows.
1: Yeah, Uh, here's one, Tony. One of these tips that I put on here is to clean the largest air filter in your house. <laughs> yeah? And do you know what that is? Um the carpet. That's right.
2: I do know that. We we talk about that um regularly enough. Rugs and your carpet, uh that's exactly what they are. They're filters. They filter not just the air, they filter everything. They filter what's coming off of your shoes. They filter what falls off of your plate. They filter what comes off of your dog. They filter what comes off of your cat and off of your body. Yeah, they are a nasty
1: filter. Well, and when the furnace is running, you're creating negative pressure inside of your home. So it's got to replace that air from somewhere. So you're drawing air from all of the cracks and crevices around all your doors and windows. But if you've done everything we said, you've filled those up and you've foamed everything. So now it's drawing air from other places. And if you've got an older home with a post and beam and car decking, it's drawing that air up through the crawl space and filtering it right through your carpet. Mm -hmm. So that carpet can get pretty nasty. So now is a really good time to get that carpet cleaned. There's a thousand reasons to clean your carpet. And,
2: And one of them is you're about to spend a lot of time inside the house. You won't be able to get out. You're gonna cook bacon in the morning. You're gonna still smell it at night. You know you want to have. Uh, you want to have, sounds delicious. You want to have things in there as clean as you can possibly get them. This is definitely the time
1: to get your carpet and your rugs thoroughly cleaned. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, here's another quick one that is always a good idea, and you know, it just depends on what you do and when you do it. But now's a good time to change the batteries in your smoke detectors. Mm-hmm. You Check. need to change those regularly. Mm-hmm. I know uh, I had a situation in my house where one just kept beeping and beeping and beeping. (laughs) and It's enough to make you want to reach up and take that battery out for good. I wanted to, but instead it was a low battery and all I had to do was put a new one in it. Yep,
2: That's going to be the hardest part of that whole thing. Put it back in. Get a new battery, put it back in. Trust me, it won't keep beeping. Uh, Get a new battery, put it back in. It could very well... Save your life. Yep. Well, all we right. got we got one last super good tip, and here it is, folks. Get your Christmas decorations ready, baby. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming, and I'm super excited for it. Uh, that definitely means the end of another year, and um, now you know I'm, I'm super excited for that. That's all the time we got. Thanks, folks, so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors, right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.